This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Welcome to the V8 Sleuth Podcast powered by Repco. This episode falls on December 15, 2021. It is 10 years since this day in 2011, since we lost Jason Richards. It is unbelievable to think how fast that time has flown. We talk a bit about him. In fact, we talk a lot about him in this office. And on this podcast, we thought, well, let's talk some more. So to do that, I've talked to some of the people who were nearest and dearest to him and knew him best. His wife, Charlotte, his dad, Dave, plus John Bow, his neighbour and friend, and Brad Jones, his former team boss at Brad Jones Racing. There's some great stories here. This is really a celebration episode than a commiseration episode, and that was something that we all felt was really, really important. So here we go. Buckle up. It's time to start. The words I always say, a very special episode. Remembering Jason Richards on the V8 Sleuth Podcast, powered by Repco. Charlotte, welcome to Sleuth Headquarters. You've been here before, but you haven't been here for a while. Sorry that we haven't tidied the place. There's boxes and boxes crap everywhere. everywhere. I know, everywhere. I know. Oh, books and all sorts. Anyway, hey, we're going to talk some fun stuff here about Absolutely. your great Jason. Um, there's so many things I want to try to cover. It's going to be hard to jam it all in, but... We've chatted with Dave, his dad, we've chatted with John Bow, and we've chatted yep. with Brad Jones. So between the three of them and chatting to you, I think we're going to cover a fair fair range okay. of the, yep. of the range. Good. So firstly, though, how are you going? What's happening in your world? What's going down? Are you following the supercars? Are you following the racing? Uh, yeah. uh, have your daughters twisted your arm to go kart racing yet? No, well, Sienna, Sienna definitely enjoys getting behind the wheel of a kart. Um, haven't done a lot of it, haven't done a lot of anything in the past two <laughs> years, let's be honest. Um, regarding the supercars, yeah, I, I can't help but, you know, keep my eye on what's going on in that world and I, I wouldn't say I sit religiously watching each round, but social media is great for, for filling in. You so. don't have to try to, you, it, can, <laughs> yes. it can get to you without trying, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, always always like to see what's, what's happening. Is it the BJR team that's your team still? Oh, look, I think, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but then, of course, you've got your, you know, your favourite favorite guys behind the wheel as well that, that you want to see succeed and get those results. Is it, we've just got to stop having Kiwis. There's too many Kiwis. Ah, Kiwis. Oh, those man. Kiwi men. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's <laughs> become the New Zealand Supercars Championship. It will do. They can bugger yes. off and have their own, for crying <laughs> out loud. Let the Australians have their own one. It's, it's the only way that they can uh, to get a championship on the yep, board at the wow. moment. But anyway. They're anyway. good at it. Too good at it. Too good at it. Um, your bloke was pretty good at it too, I've got to tell you. Hey, tell me, 
Where did you two meet back in the day? Because as our listeners who might not have heard you speak before know, there's an accent there. Really? So, and it's not Australian and it's not Kiwi. So was well, it in the UK where you guys met? I say there is a bit of a Kiwi twang there. But You've yeah, been affected a little over the years by it maybe. <laughs> um, yes, Tom from the UK and that's where I met Jason many, many years ago. So where and when? Well, gosh, it was... Uh, of course, it was. A, I think it was a Friday night out in, in, in a small town called Chesterfield, and Jason. Is, is that your hometown? Well, no, the, the town next to right, my hometown. Yeah. So close, yes, close enough. And uh, yes, Jason was over there, you know, attempting to do a bit of Formula Ford racing with Swift at the time. Did you have a clue what a Swift was at the time, or a Formula Ford? No idea. <laughs> no idea. And I do remember, you know, him telling me. I'm a race car driver from New Zealand. Did he try that line on? Of course he did. Oh. Yeah. Mind you, at first I thought he was an Australian because... That's what know, Poms think anyway. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We only knew neighbours in home and away, so... <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, he did, he did try the line of, yeah, I'm a racing car driver here from New Zealand. And you fell for it? I did. Or not initially? I did. Well, a, a bit doubtful. Um, and I always remember telling my older brother that night about oh, this Kiwi guy from um, New Zealand and he's a race car driver and straight away, oh, you're so gullible, so <laughs> gullible, Charlotte. But oh, turns out there was some truth to it. And this is, what, 1990? That was 1995. Right. 1995. So yes. he's over there trying to be the next Formula One driver, go through Formula Ford. and So how did he convince you to end up going back to New Zealand? Well, didn't really need a lot of convincing to, to come to this side of the world. Um, he left to go back to New Zealand because he'd scored the factory, the junior driver at the factory BMW New Zealand team. And I, funnily enough, had a trip booked to Australia in January the following year with a, a good friend of mine. Already, already booked. Oh, yes, nothing to do yeah, with him. Nothing to do with him. Oh, no, this, is, this no, is meant to be. This is this is exactly. sorted. And, um, yes, yeah, so Jace being Jace just said, look, why don't you tag New Zealand on to the end of your trip and, and come and say hi? So, yeah, Janet and I did that and, and then Janet flew home and I stayed. <laughs> never, never used that return flight. Yeah. So. Can, can, how long does the credit last for? Oh, I, I probably used it up over the years. Yeah. But <laughs> going home for a visit. But, yeah, at the time that was, that was it. And then... So for those who might not... See, a lot of our listeners will clearly know the supercar-y stuff, but the bit before it, so he was in the BMW team with Lyle Williamson in That's New Zealand, right. came over here and did a bit of two-litre super touring and had a go at Bathurst That's in those days before the V8 stuff yes, started. Right. So yeah. was this what he always... Was V8s the thing that was the, the next step or was it just yeah, the way it I worked guess, out? I guess it was. It's, it's, it's hard because when I... I, would, I didn't know much about racing at all, so really only Formula One, being in the UK and, and seeing that on yeah. TV. Um, but coming to arriving in Auckland and, and being part of the two-litre, the two-litres were a, a thing, obviously, back then. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really know too much about the supercars. Um, and I guess you had, you had Craig Beard, who he headed off to the South African series, the two-litre yeah, series. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So I guess, yeah, I mean... That was always an avenue too, and the, and the British touring cars as well were still, was big. still yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't, 
I can't really remember Jason talking a lot about the about the supercars back then. I'd have to say it was more about two litres, mm. to be honest. And of course, he would have loved to have continued heading towards single seaters in Europe, but. Get your checkbook yep. out. That's right. You got anything to sell, Charlotte? You help me out. <laughs> That's right. did, did he ever make you or ask you to sell anything? I've heard of race drivers do this to their girlfriends and partners. Oh, no. Oh, that's not so bad. I say I had a match back then, so no. no. Oh, that's all right then. I've heard of some people cashing some stuff in to get some funds to go buy the next set of tyres or do the next test day or or stuff like that. Um, I remember a story, you might be able to confirm or deny, that when he was at Team Kiwi, he lived in New Zealand still. Correct. Because he came backwards and forwards. The team eventually made a little bit of a base in Melbourne, I think in Sunshine from memory. That's right, yes. but am I right in what I heard, and I don't think you can do this anymore, at the airport coming and going from Auckland, to save on airport car parking fees, he would drive the little baggage trolley through where the car would go to make the boom... Is this true? Yes? Yes. 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 <laughs> we love a good rort story. Yes. That's, that, that is definitely He would have true. saved hundreds of bucks a year on Absolutely. this. Absolutely, yeah, because flying out of Auckland to... 13 Wherever. rounds a year, Absolutely. test stage. Yep. So that's a lot of parking fees. Yeah. Quite te- I thought that was quite clever, really. <laughs> Drive the, the luggage um, trolley through With where the, the luggage car... luggage on it, so you had the weight You need the weight to, to make the boom work yep. to recognise that yes. there's weight there to make then, it work. And then wave, you know, And then get your ticket or, done. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. If you think of, like, two or three seasons of doing that... 13 rounds, that's a serious amount of wedge saved. Sure is, absolutely. That's, that's gold. Yep, yep. Good. All right, that one's confirmed. I'm ticking that <laughs> one off. you try that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I always, have. you know what, I haven't been to an airport for, I haven't flown anywhere since March last year. But when I go to airports through the, you know, now it's all automated, so you tap your credit card, you've pre-booked it, you just tap it and there's it goes and you go and there's well. cameras yeah. and there's licence plate recognition but I do think of that sometimes. You think of Jason. I think every how time. could you, yeah, I do because I think how could you do that now? And you go, you kind of can't. They've sort of they've got us stuffed with all that stuff. I'm not sure if it's as rigid in Auckland Airport. I haven't been there for a while, but next time I'm there, I'm definitely sussing out to see if they've that. got their yeah. uh, their boom gates up to scratch to save a couple of bucks to get your way through. So, um, why do you reckon? You're looking at me worried here. You're like, oh, what's next? Where's this going? Uh, I talked to Dave, his dad, and we'll, we'll, we'll play that audio very soon. We've spoken to Dave, to John Bow and to Brad Jones. We'll, we'll lead to some of those grabs a bit later on. But one of the things I asked him about was why, why did people – he couldn't help but be drawn to JR, even when he was running late or even when he was – whatever he was doing, he had a presence that you couldn't always help late. but oh, – Always late. late. God, yeah. just it's the first thing that ever springs to mind for me. But he had this presence and a, you couldn't help but want to be around him. You couldn't help but want to know what was going on. He had this gravitational pull. And some people have it and some people don't. It's, I, I how, did, how did that... It was the smile. It was his eyes. It, it was also the interest he had in, in everyone else. He, he that's wasn't, probably why I was late. He was too busy asking right, about that's them. That's it. Absolutely. It, it, he wasn't all about himself. And I always like to tell people when Jace asked you... How are you going? How are you? He actually meant mm. how, how are you? It wasn't just, just a, a passing comment. He right thing to say. He wanted or... to hear mm. all about you and what mm. you do and yeah, everything. Mm. Generally interested. 
I remember too that um, when remember that famous Sandown five hundred that he nearly won in the wet against Mark Scaife. Team Dynamic. Team Dynamic. That's right. Um, ended up in the, in the sand when he tried to pass him, and it broke the steering. The next year, we did the press conference for the Sandown five hundred at Crown Casino, and I spoke spoke to him during that week or the week in the lead up, and he said, "Well." I've really got to be there, don't I? And I went, oh, because Peter Brock was coming back, so he was there, and you know, Better Electrical were the sponsor, so I, the, yeah. you know, the Better team were there, and you know, all the other big wigs. And he went, well, well, I've got to be, I've got to be there. I was the guy who nearly won the race last year. I made the thing really <laughs> cool, really exciting. At and the I end, was like, yeah. yeah, that's a. Like he talked me into letting him yeah. come to the press conference I was good when. At that. Talk the talk, yep. IMG, the event partner, I went to them and said, oh, can we? And they went, oh, yeah, you can fund it out of your budget, okay. So I said, send me an invoice and away he came. And he, and he held court and told the story of how he nearly won and it was it was fabulous. But there's not many other people that I reckon I would have let talk me into that. He had that way. <laughs> Definitely did. Yeah. Oh, it was cold. Um, remember the Dodo car too? It's at the museum. It's gone yeah, back yes. to the dodo colours. That's right. And you know better than anyone because you had a up-close look at it not long did, ago, didn't you? Yeah, you and the month. girls? Yes, yeah. absolutely. What did you think about that when you saw that? Oh, it brought back a lot of memories, to be honest. And, and you'd know that too mm. from being mm. around with Team Tasman. Um, yeah, it looks fantastic. And and to the girls to be able to sit inside it and, and see it, it was, yeah, quite a bit emotional, to be honest, mm. but, uh, but good at the same time. Now, do I remember rightly, that, that, so that's the same car that he and Jamie Winkup finished third at Sandown in. That was their first yes. podium, that they were second at Bathurst and nearly won. Um, put Jamie on the map to get his gig at Triple Absolutely. Eight, and here we are, and he's, he's retired now. That's how fast time's gone. But that's the car that did the big barrel roll at, at Queensland, Queensland Raceway. Raceway. But yes. you weren't there that day, were I you? I wasn't, no. Oh, actually, sorry, I had I'd just flown in from the UK, so I had arrived back into Melbourne and um, hadn't, hadn't seen it, hadn't got the television on, probably in transit from the airport when I got a phone call to say, just warning, don't put on don't the television. Don't watch the news? Or, yes, Jason's done a rather spectacular role. So, yeah. Welcome was more home. than one. Welcome home, Charlotte. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was about five, yeah. I think, in the end. It was. It was I think he was um, trying to beat his Pukakoe role from all those years ago. I think he, in, in yeah, that was, that was I forgot dynamic. about that one. Yeah, that was, that, yes, yeah, dynamic. two years earlier. Yeah. That's right. Um, that car's still around too. Um, yeah, that, uh, I think it was about six rolls. I haven't counted the vision just to see it, but um, yeah. they fixed it and that's the same car that they went Absolutely. on and, and it's back in the dodo colours with yep. the stickers are on the right places, the numbers in the right spot, the na- like Timmy Pattinson did an awesome did job, an to, job to replicate it exactly how yes. it was in 05, so what's that? that yeah. 16 years ago. Yeah. Oh, jeez. It's amazing. It is, but it's yeah. it's really cool. And, and that's the same car that um, he won at Winton in the next year. He, he won the reverse grid race. Man. Yeah, I, I yeah. keep a list. I keep a list. <laughs> keep a list. That's when they had the, yeah, that's when they had the Tiger on the side. Remember that's they had the correct. Tiger? They were, to, yeah, yeah. they were trying to sort of get the footy team thing rolling, but it never really, never really took off. Never really caught on. No. Yeah, it was a good idea. It was yes. a good idea. It was a good try. Um so can I tell you a story? Love you too. Have I ever told you about the time I stopped your husband from getting arrested? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you have. <laughs> told me lots I, of other stories, I, I, but I, I figure don't we've, know. Well, it worked out well. So 
I have to tell the story now because I've set this up. Don't worry, it worked out well. I saved it. I, right. I, I solved everything. Right. So the Holden Annual Christmas Drivers Party oh, was always a big mammoth affair. So Holden would get all the drivers together, have a big day out, big lunch, lots of beers. A big day. I think it was a big and day. And a big night. night. Yep. Big day that led to a big night. And in this certain year, so for, uh, some of our listeners to the pod will know my history to Tasman and some of that stuff. So I was the PR guy. Tasman in 2005 and six. So I can't remember. It was one of those years. I can't remember. Anyway, big night. Big night goes in. Big day goes into big night that goes into probably big early hours of the next morning. At a bar, there's about five of us left from the 25-odd who started the day. You're not going to name names, are you? Do you want me to? Go on. (laughs) Go on, I'd love to. (laughs) No one was doing anything wrong here. No, no, no. No one was doing anything wrong. This is more an indication of... Who were the stayers who were there till the end rather than, you know, had to go home early because they were, yep. you know, had a few too many. I think it was myself, JR, the lovely Andrew Jones was in very good form that day. And I think Paul Wheel might have been floating around. I think there was four or five of oh. us left. Anyway, your husband had had a few too many. It was time to go. But he wouldn't go. So he got out the front. <laughs> so he got out the front of the bar. And the security, you know, letting people in at the line were like, mate, this bloke's got to go because he just had too much energy. He was just too, too, having too much fun. So the, this is like 3 a.m. in the morning. So they've gone, right, he's got to go. So a cab pulls up and he doesn't get in. So the bouncer blokes come back in to me and one of the other guys and say, your mate's causing a bit of drama out the front, just get him to go home. Right. So instantly Aaron's brain kicks into gear saying, oh, crap. He's one of my drivers. I do their PR. If he has any dramas, this is my headache during the week. So I'm going to go and fix this. So out I went, went right, mate. We've had a good night. We're going to leave soon anyway. We're having our last beers. You go. We're all going. Game's over. Oh, all right, all right, all right. So he gets in the cab. And you think, great, sorted. I'll go back inside and have another beer. I turn around out the front window and there's the buffet getting out of the taxi. I'm thinking, oh, this is not going well. So I go back out there. Jay, you got to get in the taxi, mate. It's time to go. They're not going to let you back in. We're all in, you know, like the audio loop. kicked out of the cab? Or did no, no, just, he got out because he wanted he to come back in the bar. Right, okay. But they're not going to let him in because they know it's time to go. So anyway, it, it's, 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 this and is not going well. he would have been well. happy that you said it was all over. Yeah, out no, no, still. still, still, still oh, going. I said we were nearly finished. So, anyway, right, your mate out the front's causing some drama. He needs to go home. Right, okay. I'm thinking, I've got, I've got this picture in my brain that I'm going to have this issue for the next week. Supercar driver arrested, which the reality is supercar drivers don't attract anywhere near the they attention don't. of AFL or NRL or cricketers or anything like that. Anyway, so I'm going back out and I put him in the cab again. And I'm thinking, all right, we've uh, a bit of a joke. We're sweet. Tempted to get in the cab with him at this point, and I never thought of that. that. I probably should have just about had to do that. Anyway, back in the cab, slam the door, sweet. Back in the pub, he gets out again. No. So, <laughs> never took no for an answer. So back out we go, and the security guard goes right, and some coppers have turned up because they're in, in their beat of the city, and they've turned How up. Do I not know this story? Yeah, I know, I know, because <laughs> it was a good story in the end. And then they said, right, okay, if he doesn't get in that, if he gets out of that cab one more time, we're taking him in. So, yeah, 
I'm going, well, this is not freaking happening on my watch. He is getting in that cab come hell or high water. So I push him in the cab, slam the door, tap the back of it to make the bloke drive, and he takes off. And the coppers look at me and give me a nod as if to go, all right, you've you got your way out of that one all played. So I went back in and had three more beers. So one more time out of the cab and you were going to get a phone call that morning. Absolutely. So here to help, here to help. You've got more patience than I would have had that (laughs) night. (laughs) He was a pile of fun. We had plenty of big nights with him and that was one where I thought, oh, I don't need this problem during the week. So anyway, it all worked out fine. Nothing terrible to tell you, but I just thought that I was going to end up having to bail him out so you didn't have to. So, Thanks for that. <laughs> here to help, here to help. Hey, um, I mentioned before who I'd chatted to in the lead up to this. I might throw now to a little phone hookup that I had with Jay's dad, uh, Dave, who's in New Zealand. I hooked him up on the phone line and we had a bit of a chat earlier on, so let's have a little bit of a listen. Dave Richards, it's great to catch up with you. We, I'm sorry that we haven't been able to come to New Zealand the last few years and see you and your wife award that great JR trophy, but it's great to chat to you. Thanks for popping onto the, the podcast with us, mate. How are you travelling? Yeah, no, pretty good, mate. Yeah, we're all good. We wake up, as I said, I wake up this morning breathing and uh, that's a good sign, so uh, we're all good. We uh, miss our motor racing immensely. We miss all the camaraderie and all the people and, you know, it's just, We've now we had to sell our house because it was a three-story house and fourteens. It's just gone, and my knees are gone. So we bought a little lifestyle block, which is out in the country, and it's nice and flat and blah blah blah. So everything's quite good. No, it's got pretty busy here, keeping the place uh, tidy. But um, yeah, we miss. I really, I watch all the races, of course, as you can imagine, um, and uh, really enjoy it. And uh, yeah, as I say, I miss. I miss it immensely. Really do. Well, we miss seeing you guys. COVID. Yeah, that's right. It's been a, a real pain in the backside literally the last few years. Of course, no supercars at uh, at Pookie or Hampton Downs, which for a time there was looking like it might have, have had a round. So that JR Trophy will be uh, wheeled out next year again for a, a, a worthy winner. Uh, another another Kiwi won the championship this year, Dave. Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, uh, can, can you guys stop making fast race drivers? You've got too many of them. <laughs> It's becoming a bit of an epidemic, isn't it? Uh, this uh, Kiwi's winning all your trophies. Um, but we don't mind. We have no problem with it whatsoever. We'll probably bring out some more younger guns just in case the old ones get a bit long on the tooth. So, you know, we'll keep it up. <laughs> oh, right. I, I, know Skate, I know Skate loves it. Skate loves us Kiwi winning, Kiwi's winning races. Oh, yeah, no, not a fan. I'm sure he's happy with a few here and there, but any uh, time God defend New Zealand's getting a regular run, it can't be a good thing for us here in Australia anyway. Hey, mate. Um, yeah, it's all good for us. T- tell me, mate, we, we're obviously marking 10 years since we lost JR. Uh, yeah. His memory's alive as strong as it ever was. We want to celebrate him on this podcast this time around. We've probably done all the sad stuff over the last 10 years, but uh, what was your favourite? Because you came to, I think, Every supercar round he did, maybe you missed one or two. Yeah, I went. To, I, I think I was a part of the team. I come to every single round uh, except one. I was, which was unfortunate. It was in Darwin, and I, I broke my arm before. Actually, I broke my at the head of work point. I broke my arm, and then uh, two days later, I broke my wrist. So I was incapacitated. I had to ring Jason and tell him, look, I can't come, buddy. I've got no arms left. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was really, really disappointing. And I loved Darwin because it's such an awesome circuit. And, of course, 
Oh, Wally uh, was Jason's race engineer and best buddy, to be fair. Uh, they got on so well. When we used to go fishing after the end of the end of the um, racing uh, up there, so for triple days. Uh, and also, Jason won his first top ten at Darwin, so it was it had a bit of a special place uh, in, our, in our memory. Um, so, but the, yeah, I think possibly it's it's hard to say because I enjoyed every single every single race winning where he got first or last or crashed. It really it, to me it was my son racing, and I just enjoyed every single second of it. Very proud of the whole thing, but I don't really think there's an absolute special one. Except maybe. When you run the um, uh, the um, Trimax car, was it for for uh, Greg Murphy's dad at, at Melbourne at the Melbourne Grand Prix? That red one, he ran that because he wasn't allowed to race in the in the, in the main game. Oh, so he yeah, yeah, ran yeah. Jason Bright's car as well. That weekend, he got second with Jason Bright's car, which was Jason Richards' old car because uh, he wasn't allowed to race. And then he and then he did the short race and the, the other race in that. Um, well, I used to call him a development class car back in those days, and he got he won that, so he got a first and a second. So that weekend was probably pretty high up on my my list of uh, excitement, I suppose. Every lap in under a minute, every move made to matter, every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars. Unforgettable. So the thing was, I remember too, mate, whenever you were at the races, you were the tyre man. So every tyre that was going on and off uh, JR's car, you, you were keeping control of, monitoring it, keeping an eye on the wear. You, you were the man when it yeah, came to the correct. rubber. That was, And no matter which team he was at, that was your gig you came and did. Well, when Jason, uh, Jason and I were great mates, so we've always grown up doing our motor racing together. In the old days, when we were doing many sevens, Formula Fords, and all the other touring cars, and all the other stuff he was doing, it was him and I. I was a mechanic, he was a driver. So we worked really good together. It wasn't until he got into the bigger teams, obviously, he needed a whole lot more people. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and Jason would basically sign me into the contracts as, uh, as tyre man. And a couple of teams weren't so keen, uh, but when they, and they would say, well, we'll give him a month's trial, and Jason said, well, if he doesn't work out in that month, I'm going as well. <laughs> so it, it worked out. So and I stayed with the team for, actually, after we lost Jason. I actually worked for, for, for Brad on um, Jason Baguana's but his tyres and Jason's car, actually Jason Richards' car, for another 18 months afterwards. But then it just got too hard, mate, and it just, yeah, it just got too hard uh, emotionally and the travel, and just, so I, I gave it away. But I enjoyed it. Um, I taught a few blokes here. I taught a couple of blokes uh, the tyre game as well while I was there, so that was pretty cool. And one or two of them, I guess, still there doing tyres, so... You know, for me it was a passion. It wasn't a job. It was a passion, and I was doing it for my mate. Yeah, I love that he, uh, he he wrote you into the contracts too. And if uh, it was kind of if you if you get me, you get my dad, and if you get my dad, you get me, and if you don't want one, you don't get the other. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it was. And he and he was so loyal. Yeah, Jason was such a loyal person. He actually, yeah, he he uh, um, he was just 
He's not the same with Wally, not the same with Wally, but I mean, wherever Jason went, he wanted to take Wally with him. You know, that's just, he just, because they got on really well and they're really good for each other. They're an amazing uh, team. Um, you know, Wally doing the data and stuff and, and the shops and all that carry on and me doing the tyres. So we had a good little thing going on there for quite a long time. There's two blokes there, Dave, who definitely knew how to uh, talk the leg off a chair. Wally Story and Jason Richards put them together and it's the world long, world's longest conversation, I'd have reckoned. Absolutely. And, yeah, well, Wally will go away fishing with him after Darwin and he would, he, he's, story, he's, a, he's an amazing storyteller and he had all the all different. Every time he told a story, it was a different one. And it was, they're just classics. They're just, you know, you, you did right. You could talk the lead of an iron pot, no problem at all. But a uh, good fellow and a good mate and uh, had good ethics and yeah, him and Jason, uh, they've come out of the same mould, really. Yeah, the, I think they were just a couple of years apart, but yeah, definitely the, the same mould. <laughs> what's uh, Dave, what do you reckon, obviously, 10 years on, um, what's JR's legacy? Obviously, there's the things that we can see and we know. There's the trophy for the top point scoring supercars driver for the round when we, we when we get to go again into New Zealand. Um, there's a lot of reminders of him. I was just at Bathurst recently and the Dodo Tasman Commodore that he and Jamie Winkup drove in the Enduros that Jason drove during 05 is now on display. Yep. It's back in the Dodo colours. What's his, what's his legacy that he's left us with? Because there's so many things to take away from his very short time with us. I'm not, not, not really quite sure, but we the thing with Jay, here's an example today. We I've just got the, I've got a, a guy in here to fertilise my lawn, and he brought a mate along with him who's a, who's a worker, and he said, oh, because in my in, in our property here we've got Jason's BOC car. When Jason was coming to New Zealand, BOC in New Zealand, they bought a brand new Holden Commodore and they turned it into as exactly a replica of his race car with the, the carbon fibre sporters and all the all the bits and pieces of the air dam on the front and all the, the race wheels and all the drama. And they sticking it up exactly like his BOC race car. Uh, and it's sitting in my shed. So BOC uh, rang us up one, uh, a while ago, a couple of years ago, 80 months ago, and said they want this car because they were out of motorsport uh, for Linda Group, what they're out, as I understand. And they had no further use for it. They didn't want to pull the stickers off, so they gave us the car. So it's sitting here. So this guy came and he said, oh, I know Jason, I used to go to school with him. He was a smiley kid, he was a great kid. He, and it, that's just today. Like, And people all the time when they see me if I wear a cap or something, and they say, oh, did you know Jason? And I said, oh, yeah, I did, actually. He was my son. And uh, they just are in awe, or, or as well, nowadays, uh, of him as he was, they were when he was alive. You know, he just had that aura around him that people... Flocked to him and, and liked him and enjoyed him. I'm not. I'm, I'm his father, so this probably doesn't sound so good. But at the end of the day, I, I, in this instance, I wasn't his father. I was his best mate, and I've seen all this all the time. And we are so humbled by the fact that quite often, as on a lot of times on even now recently and since Jason died, there's always been articles on Jason on the news, in the paper, on the internet, all over the place. And people, they still bring his name up. They still talk about him. And, and we, you know, it's just, you go to a racetrack. Oh, yeah, there you Dave Richard. Jason's there. And it just goes on and on and on. So we're, Paul and I are really, really humbled by the fact that everybody still remembers Jason for all the right reasons. Because at the end of the day, I can't remember, I don't even know of an enemy that Jason ever had. So that's probably, you know, he was just a, bloody good kid and I don't know why because I'm a red bag and 
probably do all right, but I'm a bit of, you know, so I don't know, we don't know where it all came from, but it all, it just, he was just a great kid and people liked him. So as you know, he's just charismatic and, you know, but the thing is he was a thoughtful person. He he thought about people, felt sorry for people, had a hardship and all this to carry on, you know, he was, he was ambassador of the canteen and all these sort of bits and pieces and he liked helping him out where he could. So he, he's just a good, good bloke, just a, just a genuine good bloke. And did he get the, the racing bug from you? Is it all your fault? Well, I was a motor mechanic by trade, so I did my time as a motor mechanic. And we used to race go-kart. We had a farm right up at Fox Hill. And we built carts, and we had all the fa- all the kids around, all the farmers' kids around the place. And we had a dedicated a paddock just for fa- motor racing, uh, kart racing. They were farm carts, so an old bridge and straighten engine with a bunch of wheelbell wheels, wheels and tubes welded together and rigged up. Um, and hay bales out the paddock by racetrack. So... Jason was only six at that stage, and he would sit on the double wheel, double seat carts. He'd sit on the carts with the other kids, and they would drive them around. And had long before Jason was pushing these kids off, and he wanted to drive. So that's that's probably the beginning out of it all. Was just, uh, and I, I enjoyed it because I could build the carts and maintain them, and I was a mechanic and had engineering skills and stuff like that. So it was a good deal for me, uh, and it was a good deal for him. So that's really where it started. So. Uh, and we just got on well. Like we, yeah, I never. A lot of people used to say, "Oh, Jesus." When I was going back to what we said before, where Jason wanted me to be help help him in the Jewish tires, a lot of these people that didn't know me said, "Oh, another father and son." We don't want the old man. He's, not, you know, they'll, it, it regularly happens that the old man stuffs it up, and I've seen it a thousand times myself. But now, our incident, it didn't work like that because I treated Jason as a race car driver and a bloke that I'm helping. And, and he's my best mate. So I didn't treat him as my son and I didn't give him extra perks or blah, 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 blah. I just did the absolute best that I could do to give him the best scenario in terms of his tyres and tyre pressures and, and um, stuff like that. So I went over and beyond uh, what a normal person would do who was working for wages for a race team. Bearing in mind, I didn't do it all for nothing. I didn't get paid for it. I just did it because it's, uh, it was absolutely satisfying for me and it was an advantage for Jace. To have someone they could rely on to give him a, a, a good setup. I love, mate, that you are a self-confessed rat bag from your, your younger days. Have you got a little story? Yeah, about, well, I'm sure he had a rat bag tendency, or he he did something that he shouldn't have along the way. Have you got something you can spill on him about maybe when he was a younger bloke and some of the the hijinks that he got up to? Um, my wife's good at that sort of things. She's really, really good at it. She she clicks up all these stories. And to be fair, when Jason's kids come over and see, see Nana, well, before COVID, they'd all say, Nana, tell us a good, tell us a story about Jason. So she'd rattle off all these stories and the kids would say, oh, and after about half an hour, the kids would come back and say, oh, tell us that story about Jason doing this or that. So away she goes again. And every now and again, they'd say, Nana, tell us a story when Jason was naughty. So <laughs> she had a few, few stories, but didn't have a hell of a lot. But to be fair... Um, probably the only thing that that uh, the only thing he, he doesn't he didn't do naughty you know I'm, I'm probably sounding a bit silly here but he, he didn't do naughty things but one thing he did do which hit me off we he had a money seven we huddled up his money seven and used to get it was an eight fifty cc thing and in those days a money seven used to race as an eight fifty engine only that was your maximum you allowed when you allowed to do quite a lot to them so we built this this thing up and we so. We were going to a race meeting one time down at Ruripana. We had no, we had no race, car race track here in Nelson, but the, the 
the local drag club had a meeting on, and they're going to do a drag uh, meeting up one of the streets that they blocked off, the council blocked off at this drag meeting. So Jason applied and got his membership and turned up with his little red mini, and uh, they did time trials, like one person at a time. They'd just go down and uh, go over a quarter-mile strip. And this, this piece of road was probably about 4 or 5k long, but it was all timed over with electric meters and all the bits and pieces. It was timed over this quarter-mile strip. Anyway, it's Jason's turn to get up in there, and he's he, 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 he reeling the guts out of this thing, and he drops the clutch, and he's gone. And I'm saying, think of he said, we went, went and went and went and went and went. He went right almost the end of the road, well past the timing strip, and everybody's saying, what the hell's going on? Is this throttle stuck or something? It's gone for ages. And he turned around, and he came back. And I said, what the hell's going on, Jason? Why'd you, how come you, what happened? Did something, the throttle jam? He said, no, no, I wanted to get it up to 100 mile an hour. <laughs> so we got in a bit of trouble for that because we weren't supposed to go past the end of the barrier where the road was blocked off because the last piece of the road wasn't actually blocked off that. It was out of the country road, so there wasn't a lot of traffic there. But so, you know, that was one of the, a, a thing that uh, it wound me up a bit when I realised he'd done it on purpose. But that's the sort of bloke he was. He just wanted to go fast. He wanted to see how fast the mini would go. It sounds exactly um, like him. I can believe that story to the T. It was so funny to see this red thing disappearing in the end of the, down the end of this bloody road. Like you could hardly see it by the time he got to the end of it. But he got up to his hundred mile an hour, so he was happy in a minute. <laughs> Believe it or not, eight fifty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the flying brick could fly. That's definitely for sure, Dave. The flying brick. They used to call him the flying brick. Yeah. So oh. that was back in the days. But naughty things that that I, that I would be ashamed of. I haven't got any of. Those, I haven't got any of those stories. Oh, that's uh, not a bad thing. That's not of. a bad thing at all, mate. He's in every sport in the world. He's played all the sports, ever. And, he, and rugby, red rugby, and all. He's good at everything. So we're swimming uh, for the swimming competition. Anyway, we were late. We were running a bit late. And Jason's race, unfortunately, was on first. So uh, we went out there. It was a, it was a, a, um, a breaststroke. Uh, it was a three-way overarm and breaststroke. And, well, that's the Karen Butterfly, one lap each. Anyway, Jason dived in. And what he didn't have, because he got dressed in a hurry, but his togs on hurry. He hadn't done the bloody belt up on the on the tog on the bottoms, so he dives in and he's his bloody feet. He's uh, uh, togs down around his ankles and he's swimming like hell. He didn't stop. Then he's tumbled to the other end. He come back and blah blah blah. And then uh, he got to the end and he had to pull his. Tog. He actually won it, believe it or not. He got to the end and pulled his pants up and climbed out of the pool and everybody cheered and carried on. One some of the girls yelled out, "Let's see you do breaststroke." <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, let's see you do backstroke. And, uh, of course, the whole pool just erupted and laughed. So, yeah, that was Jason. He just took it on the chin. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Dave, thank you so much for, for the chat. Great to catch up with you and uh, sharing some memories. We look forward to seeing you next year, hopefully at Pookie, with uh, a full field of supercars and the whole crew who haven't been over to your side of the ditch for a while and, and catching up with you and, and seeing someone else get their name uh, with that very special trophy. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll chat to you soon. That's okay, buddy. It's my pleasure. Thanks for thanks for ringing and keeping Jason's name alive. It's uh, it's an absolute uh, a great thing for us. Cheers, buddy. So, did you know the story about the swimming carnival and the trunks coming off? And I, I have heard that story many times. Oh, okay, so that's an old yes, favourite. That's that's definitely a favourite. What about the mini? And the never-ending engine running that went on I all the way down. I don't know that story. It's, it's, it sounds right to me, it, it though. Absolutely, give does, him a mile. Give him an inch. Take a mile. That's it. Yeah. But no, never heard that one before. But 
Always good to hear new ones. So when you met him, he didn't do the whole, hey, I used to race Mini 7s. He said, oh, I'm a Formula 4 driver. Formula Ford sounds better than Mini Sevens, don't you reckon? Yeah, yeah. yeah didn't, the Minis didn't come into it for for some time. Yeah, yeah. And and back then, I didn't know what a Formula Ford was. So <laughs> of course, describing it as a small Formula One car, you know, it's single seat. Made sense. Yeah, yeah, that made sense. So when did he get to convince you? When did you guys come to Australia? Team Dynamics, South Australia. Yes, that's when we did the permanent move across mm. to Adelaide. So before that with Team Kiwi, obviously, as we talked about before, back and forth across mm. the ditch. Um, and then, yes, Team Dynamic, we made the, the move from Auckland to Adelaide. So then you went – so you ended up packing up three times, didn't you, in three years? Yeah, pretty good Was Adelaide – Tasman was in Sydney, then the old Landsvale, yep. and then Tasman moved to Melbourne. Correct, yes. Oh. Great. So you, you were seriously good at packing and moving at this think. stage. Yeah. Was, quite exciting. He must have been bloody special to have to move around all this way for. He must. <laughs> and he was, absolutely. <laughs> Which one did you like best? Adelaide, Sydney, um, Melbourne? I mean, you, you still live in Melbourne, so I presume... Still live in Melbourne. Uh, do you know what? I, I enjoyed all of them. Adelaide was actually a great place um, to live. Really loved, loved that city. And, of course, not long after we moved... Opening round is the Clipsal and the mm. whole. We actually lived uh, on Wakefield Street. So oh right, I didn't know that. Was, yeah, so just that whole atmosphere, the whole place comes alive. So yeah, really enjoyed enjoyed our time in Adelaide. Did because wasn't so the the Tasman thing was that a bit left field? Because because that dynamic was brand new that year he joined and that. Ended and didn't end didn't as end it should have. Well, no. Um, yeah, I guess that it was good timing, really. I guess the whole Tasman deal came up. Um, certainly, we weren't expecting to be packing up so soon and moving. And yeah. I don't think Sydney was ever really on the cards. You don't think of, you know, you tended to know all the, the supercar teams were in, in Queensland or Melbourne. So, um, yeah, moving to Sydney, but. That was that was great. Another adventure and fun mm. times. Mm. Is it once you came to Melbourne? Is that when you got married? Did you get married in Vegas? Got married in Vegas. Was this like um, Elvis Beck? <laughs> not quite. No, not quite. We did have that option, but um, no, we didn't go quite that far. Um, yes, yeah, so we were living in Melbourne, but took off yeah for a trip around the states and then on to. Got married in Vegas. Was it in like the little Whitechapel style sort of little little joint? Yeah, a little little cozy. <laughs> Gold. Yeah, I love it. It was. It was it was kind of spur of the moment, but not spur of the moment. So I was actually pregnant with Sienna yeah. at the time. So and we'd been engaged for well, a long time. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And it was kind of yeah, we're gonna do this? Sure, why not? Bit of excitement, bit of fun and Good holiday story that's, to tell people. That's right. Yeah, 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 love it. And that's yeah, I was never one to have a big fancy wedding anyway. So job just, done. Job done. Easy. While we're holidaying. <laughs> Absolutely. Rolled it all in a while. That's it. That's the go. Hey, um, there came a time when you guys ended up with a neighbour in your street. He's a very famous racing driver, John Bow. John Bow. So. That's a pretty famous street there for racing car drivers. I don't know if anybody else lived in that 
street that you guys I'm are all aware all, of. And, and, and might have been. Funnily enough, did not know that JB lived in that street either. Uh, now, I'm going to play some audio he, from him soon. I was going to say, he will probably say otherwise. Oh, no, I, did, I, I did this with him the other day, but I'm pretty sure that it's because I was trying to get him to remember how it all came to be. But let's roll tape on my little chat with JB. JB, you knew JR unbelievably well. Uh, I don't think a lot of people understand, but you lived across the street from one another. How did, how did that all start to be? And did you know that you were neighbours before you figured it out yourselves? Uh, no, no, it was, it was funny because he was friends with a guy that I knew at a gym I used to go to. So Jace originally lived down, I think, by Morris Way, Jason Charlotte, before Sienna was born. And uh, he knew this guy at the gym. We used to talk about Jason. And then the house across the road from me became available for sale. So at a race meeting one day, I said, look, there's a house across the road that that uh, it's, it's a mortgagee sale and you might be able to sniff it because he was pretty shrewd. <laughs> yes, and true. He was true. So he goes, oh, okay. So he comes around there to look at it. It, was, it needed a, a, you know, pretty up. It was very, what do I call it, 80s ethnic. And uh, anyway, he, he bought it at a, at a very favourable price and then he had all these sponsors that donated st- stuff to him to, to remodel it, you know, like sound systems and, oh, look, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. Kitchens and all sorts of things that he did. It was a big house and Charlotte since sold it and moved, of course, because you'd expect that to. But, yeah, so we were very – we became more and more friendly, you know. Like when he first came over, he was just another Kiwi. And, uh, you know, but I, as I got to know him better, he's a very terrific bloke but very interesting, you know, very, uh, like, single-minded as most serious racing drivers are. Uh, I remember once he did a really good lap time at Bathurst one Bathurst I can't remember which one, and he comes over with a, a DVD and he goes uh, I thought I'd come and sh- you know share this with you and I go what 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 do you mean he goes well this is my lap Bathurst and I go oh right so we sit down on the sofa we play the DVD and I go well, it doesn't look any different than when I'm driving and he <laughs> we just it was just funny you know <laughs> he was funny <laughs> great loss. I was going to say, JB, one of the things that springs to mind, and we're big 10 years on on celebrating him rather than commiserating that that he's not here. And I can't help but always think about him that he was late to everything, everything. Like I was his PR guy at Tasman in 2005, that great year that he had with Jamie and they finished third at Sandown and second at Bathurst uh, and the year that followed and, I would tell him a time half an hour before I needed him because <laughs> I think I've told this to a couple of other of our guests on this podcast, but I think everyone's got the same the same memory of his lateness. It was world champion stuff. Oh, man, he was unreal. And he used to have in the boot of his car or in the boot of my car, wherever we'd been, he'd have all his racing gear and suits and helmets. And oh. uh, we went to um, uh, Muscle Car Masters once. And he was driving Paul Stubbers A9X in uh, Group C, Group A. I was racing Mustang Sally and TCM, and they had a Rothmans Porsche there. I, don't, I think you were there. I was, yeah. And yeah. Had, the 87 Le Mans winning car. Le Mans winning car. And Jace got talking to, uh, what's his name, Klaus Bischoff. Bischoff. 
Yeah, the, Porsche, the guy that yeah. looks after the Porsche, you know, the Porsche Museum, who's an ex-race mechanic. And he, Jason took Klaus into giving him a drive in it. So the next thing, we're all ready, packed up, ready to go to the airport. And Jason's, oh, just wait for a few minutes. I'm going to do a couple of laps in this Porsche. So off he goes. And he doesn't come back, you know, for about three quarters of an hour. Like it's, it's getting dark. The lights are, it's like being at Le Mans. It was unbelievable. So then we, he jumps in the car with Hamo and I. In his driving suit, still getting undressed as we anyway. We missed the plane typically, so you know he was he, he is a very very interesting, funny bloke, but an awesome bloke too. I think he's the only bloke I know that's missed a plane because he was busy driving a Le Mans Porsche. That's hard to yes. beat. Yeah, no, well, it was. I thought it was amazing that he talked his way into it. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sure I couldn't do that. It was a, it was a skill. He had a good skill set. He did have a wheeler dealer gene in him. I reckon he might have been a used car salesman in a former life. You know any of those? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. And when he, he he studied everything like to the T, he he ended up he bought a a used a second hand one, but a, an Audi RS six. And uh, he, I think someone that I knew, one of my friends, ha- had it as a as a like a wholesaler, and he could it was pretty well priced, but he it took him like weeks to make up his mind. He researched around the world. He spoke to people in England about them. So uh, I don't think they've ever made another one like him, mate, honestly. No, one of a kind, that's for sure. What's your standout um, race memory? Did you guys actually race one another? I mean, you finished V8s in 07. He started in 2000 at Bathurst with Team Kiwi. Do you remember having any run-ins with him on the track or not really being in the same sort of, Sphere uh, at, the same, at that time. When they first started with Team Kiwi, they were weren't overly competitive. I don't think. Um, I, I, I do remember one. We went to China by this stage. I can't remember what year that was. Would that have been over two thousand five? It was five. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I actually had him off the track, which was a bit sad because we, you know, I, I, he came out after a pit stop or something, and I've tagged him and spun him out unintentionally, but then we go to the stewards. I think it was Peter Wallerman then. And Jace, uh, you know, he didn't sink me, which was which I was ever forever grateful for. No, he didn't he didn't he could have sunk me very badly, yeah. So but he didn't. So and that the only other time really and and I, we raced together for like in the same category for six or seven years, but we were never really near either I was in front or he was in front, you know, one one of the two. And then his very last race on this earth, myself and Tony Hunter, who invented the Touring Car Masters, he was the category manager at the time. He's retired now, but Tony had a Monaro HQ350 Monaro, and we cooked up this deal for Jace to drive it at, at Bathurst. So, and I had quite a good race with him, but I found myself watching him how he drives or how he drove, how he hustled this car along more than I was worrying about my own car. You know, so it was actually, I had the same thing when I was a kid. My, my brother used to race in the same category and I used to be so busy watching him that I didn't, you know, give my full potential to it. So I did the same thing with Jason. I was watching him come out of, you know, under the tree and down through the grate and all that sort of stuff. And this, he had this HQ Monaro dancing away, you know, on one wheel sometimes and, you know, it was it was good, and he passed me once down at um, 
Forest elbow down the inside, you know, which you can do sometimes. And he said later, "Did you did you let me buy them?" I said, "Well, I didn't really let you buy, but I thought to myself, you've got cancer, and I think you probably needed to do better than me." And you know, so we we had a laugh about it. Just just we used to have a lot of fun. And he'd get straight out of the car, and he'd run down virtually run down to BJR where he was assisting in the in the supercars. He was sort of you know, advising, helping like he did. And I'd be tuning his car up for him, you know, adjusting it with the mechanics and things. And then he'd come back three minutes to go before the race started, jump in the car, and off we go. So typical JR was. He was a, like a whirlwind is probably the, the way to describe him with everything that he, that he definitely did. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Uh, It's 10 years this year since we lost him in 2011. He's in the Supercars Hall of Fame um, for good reason, not because of really what he did behind the wheel, but it's kind of, I think it's more what happened afterwards and, and how we dealt with the stuff that, you know, fingers crossed none of us ever have to really be faced with something that enormous um, in, in our lives. What do you think's his legacy moving forward? I love that Brad Jones um, still runs all of his cars, have the, the, the JR star um, on the yeah. B pillar of all of them. So a- anytime everybody, whether it's Nick Perkat previously or Todd Hazelwood or whoever turns up, Andre Heimgartner arrives next year, Bryce Forward, Anyone who gets in one of those cars gets in looking at the star. I love that as a, as a legacy. Yeah, but, yeah. Me too, um, For those who haven't, you know, they, they we're going to have a generation soon of people who didn't see him race or didn't get to meet him or only know from what they've seen on t- videos or pods or, or, or whatever. What's his enduring legacy that you think's the thing that's going to stick with us for a very, very, very long time, long after we've all stopped being involved in racing and been on this planet as well? Uh, well, I mean, I, I use I have his star on my car, and I have a picture of him and I on the top on the roof. I've had it on it ever since he he got sick, and it'll you know I, I don't ever intend to stop racing, but you know maybe I'll have to sometime. I don't know, but I, I'll always carry him with me. But I think it's, it's because of his character and the fact that he dealt with it so in such a strong robust way, uh, you know, and it's, it's guys like you and me and quite a lot of other people that keep his memory alive for that very reason, you know, because he he was an outstanding human and, you know, he, I, I think he'll always be remembered. He'll be, be you know, like, like John Lennon's remembered, like, you know, those sort of people that, that were special. And I, and I think he, Jace will be remembered forever. And, I mean, I see he's... Charlotte and his girls, his girls, like so funny, only a week and a half ago, they came around for dinner and they've grown so much. And I remember when Olivia was a little baby, I was sitting over at his his house, we were sitting on the couch talking about racing, that's all we ever talked about. And uh, and Olivia was a tiny little baby and she was rolling on the floor and she was a little chubby little girl and he goes to me, oh, JB, Look at that fat on her. She is going to be so fat. You ought to see now. She's slim, gorgeous, 
tall. <laughs> it was just typical of Jason. <laughs> uh, uh, he was a lad, mate. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's uh, it's funny to think and see that it, I think it was a year or two ago um, that uh, there's a Richard's daughter that went karting. You reckon we could get another Richards in the in the gene pool to go racing? There's there's we called him racing Jason. Uh, I reckon that there's something yeah. in that for the next generation. I think the problem is though, of course, with a lot of uh, you know youngsters that would she would love to go karting, no question. But how you know how do you get it to happen? You know, uh, his dad who did all the racing with Jace in his uh, youth, it lives in New Zealand. Um, you know, I, I haven't got time and Charlotte doesn't know quite how, you know, and we've we've tried to interest a few people. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, you don't have to go karting. The Brabham boys all start, never went karting, you know, so they all started in their 17, 16, 18, whatever. So I don't think you have to have a be a Max Verstappen and start racing when you're two, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we can have a, a GoFund Sienna thing or something and <laughs> if you've got enough money you can pay someone to do it for you easy uh, yeah. we'll, we'll line her up for an excel somewhere down the track that's uh, yeah, that I seems to be the place where everyone's going <laughs> she probably needs to do a bit of karting just for the race craft but she's as keen as mustard but you know kids have got school and friends and all that so it'll be lovely to do it but i'm not so sure it's going to happen What's the uh, what's the one word that springs to mind when you when you think of JR? I, I know we're, we're talking over Zoom. Um, I can see you've got a bunch of great photos behind you, which our, our listeners can't see of your your career. There's a beautiful bit of artwork there of you and Lowndes with that famous battle at Bathurst in '94. There's some <laughs> BOC Falcon stuff. There's I think there's a is that a shot of Jimmy Clark over yes, your shoulder yeah. with, Jimmy a, Clark with was a beautiful my lotus? Hero. Yeah, yeah. But on that wall with all of that stuff. Is you and Jr. with one of the, the 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 cars that I think he was supposed to drive, but didn't get to drive because he, he got a crook. Yes, that's right. He, uh, yeah, there's a big there's a picture up here of we had it uh, taken in Graham Neander's studio, you know, down in uh, South Melbourne, and uh, it's Jason and I with a Porsche that he was going to drive at Townsville. Uh, it was the first meeting I think at Townsville, so. But he was, you know, at the time he was quite sick. He had periods of, you know, where he was reasonable and periods where he wasn't, as people do when they have something like that. Uh, yeah, so, so the, you know, I, I made this comment a few minutes ago. He was a lad. I mean, that's how I remember him. He was a lad. He was a lad. When I think of him ever about anything, it makes me smile. So that's John Bauer and the little chat that I had with him. That TCM race at Bathurst he talked about in that HQ, that was so good. That was cool. That, that was, was seriously the best. JR race spec. Yep. Car not as fast as the big Fords. Fast across the top, not as good up and down the hill. And JB, JB said about how he found himself forgetting that he was in the race too because he was too busy watching <laughs> too busy what watching. old mate was doing. That's right. Um, what do you remember about that hot? Because really he... He was... He was he had been so sick leading up to mm, that, mm. that October. But I Jace used to always say when he got behind the wheel after his diagnosis, it, it was a, the best form of medication for him. Mm. And he was able to forget about 
everything else, the hospitals, the pain and, and, and the racing just took over his, his body and his mind. Mm. So it was very emotional. I think there was a lot of, um, a lot of teary eyes that weekend, but um, what, it was just incredible. Oh, it was perfect in terms of, you know, he had to sit out the main race because he just wasn't up to being able to do that. And that call had been made earlier in the year. That's right. And and for a period there, we were hopeful, and that was always on the cards, that, you know, that he would be able to be well enough to to slot in for the Enduros. But um, obviously that decision had to be made sooner rather than later. And and Jason understood that. And um, But, yeah, the TCM... Yeah, not TCR, no, TCM. TCM. There's too many acronyms TCR, in motor racing. TCM. You just looked at me then like, no, no, oh, is that the right I thing? I just said the right one. Yeah. Um, yes, it was It was. Because was that perfect. almost touch and go that he couldn't do that? Am I remembering that right, that maybe they went, oh, this Absolutely. is a bit borderline. So even though Jason and himself felt that he could do it, we had to obviously get that cleared by medical, also his oncologist. There were so many people that we needed to check, is he going to be okay? And mm. you know, people were generally worried about, about him as well. Mm. What's what's going to happen if he suddenly goes downhill during, you know, over the top of the mountain or something? Mm. But um, no, he certainly, again, <laughs> just just did what he did. Called him racing, yeah. Jason, for a reason. That's so. right. Yes. And that was a, a Tony, as JB said in the audio, Tony Hunter who ran the Touring That's Car right. Masters. That was one of his cars, the, um, the Sunliner yep. HQ, orange and yellow yes. and. You stand out in that car no matter where you were driving along. But um, that's the only race I can remember anyone ever. I mean, the whole pit lane, because we had it on TV, it was a televised Sunday morning race. Every time they put up a little inset box in the corner of whoever was watching on in the various supercar teams, they're all watching the race. No one wanted anybody else to win. (laughs) It was so biased one way. Uh, I've never seen a... I mean, you know better than anyone, that pit lane can rip each other apart when they so choose to. But when they choose to All link together, together, as what happened when Jason got Absolutely. sick, it was pretty astounding, that 12-month period of what was done and the Not money the support, that was raised Absolutely. and the things that were yep. put together. Um, you know, he did win the race, but uh, it almost feels like he did because of the... Uh, I think so, that, Certainly if you look down pit lane... yeah. Yeah, there was only one bloke that anyone wanted, <laughs> wanted to win. It wasn't JB, by the way. Uh, but I think the in-car for that's on YouTube somewhere. And he's just firing across the yeah. top of the mountain like a crazy man, just trying to catch up he to... He had nothing to lose, I suppose. No, no. Just... And I think that's what JB said. He said he couldn't help but just watch and spectate from, you know, a mobile spectating point at this Monaro just weaving its way across I, the top. And JB sent me that uh, the YouTube footage of that race oh, not long ago, and I found myself just... Play and, and just mesmerised again watching <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, it was cool. Happy memories. Yeah, it was cool. It was so cool. Um, one of the things that carries on is at Brad Jones Racing. They've still got the the JR Star that's on the uh, the door as uh, for all their cars, not just yes. the number eight car, which was Jason's sort of car. Uh, but every driver that gets in or out of a BJR car sees that on the way through. And I've got some audio with Brad in a sec to to talk about that. But what I didn't know before I talked to Brad. Um, was that Jason knew about that. I didn't think he... I thought that was an aftermath thing, but as we'll hear on the audio with Brad... Actually, you know what? Let's play the audio and give the Brad Jones chat that I had a little while ago and we can pick it up after this. Brad, 
What did you think you were getting when Jason Richards rolled in your door in Aubrey as a as a race driver, but also as a as a guy? What did you know about him before he ultimately became a part of the fabric of your place? Um, well, I, I like you know, spend a lot of time. I like to watch the other drivers and young guys coming along, and so I knew a fair bit about Jason. I'd I'd seen him drive different things over the years, and and um, um, I felt like he could be helped with with our guidance and so I was pretty excited when he came in um, we met in Melbourne and um, we chatted about what it would be like for him to join BJR so McNamara probably helped push him this way and uh, you know we I like I think we clicked straight away we had a always had a great relationship and um, you know I can remember having a conversation with him there was a wet race at Winton and he um, um, took off like a scalded cat and he had a huge lead, um, you know, probably a second, I'm guessing, um, after about four corners and then he got to the sweep the first time and he sailed off. And um, I can remember having that conversation with him. It's like, what do you think you did wrong there, dude? And, uh, well, I just went in a bit fast, which made me laugh. So, so I was like, well, you know, that's the sort of thing I think I can help you with. So it's about, you know, working out where you are and, and we, we had a good relationship. We had a, you know, I felt um, a special relationship. What made it special? Or was it a case that it, it became special over time or was it special pretty much pretty early? No, I think, I think over time, um, you know, when you first end up with the driver and you're trying to find out where he fits and where you fit in his life, um, they were very fond memories, those times with Bridie and JR. They got along really well and, and you know, very competitive off, off, on the track and not so much off. Uh, they were good friends and, and, you know, we all fitted pretty well together, which, you know, it's a, it's a moment in time, right? So mm. um, there, was, there was a, you know, us against the world mentality between us and, and they were both very fast, and uh, yeah, it was, it was you know it was a pity that he got sick when he did. Yeah, one of the enduring things that I always think of for a smile about him is that he was always late. What was the what was the worst thing he was ever late to for BJR? Because he was late. I was his PR guy at Tasman, and I would tell him a time half an hour earlier than I needed him to try to get him there on time. He just did not know what a watch was supposed to be used for. Yeah, or, or a pair of pants that were issued to him to wear to go with his team uniform. So he, uh, he, uh, I can't think what he was late for everything. You know, I can, I can remember um, McConville wanting to get, get, um, um, McConville wanting to get a coffee or something, and you know, Jason forgot his pass, and so Cam missed out on the coffee, and he was going off his head, and Jason didn't. Uh, didn't phase him my little bit at all. So, so uh, yeah, plenty of, plenty of that sort of stuff. What about the pants? Well, he didn't want to wear the team pants. Is that the difference? No, not the very day? often. No, no. I used to say to him, dude, no jeans, team pants. He was not a big team pant wearer. <laughs> What's your um, – clearly that, that weekend at Albert Park when he came back and had that run at the non-championship round, that's probably the one that sticks out for me, but – 
um, in, in terms of his time with, with you, he, he drove, of course, for Team Kiwi and, and Tasman. And um, that's got to be the step. That's really hard to top. And I think you've, you've still got that car, haven't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the cool. one for me was him and McConville coming second at Bathurst. 2009. Yeah. So that was amazing. He was so fast in that car. And, uh, you know, another lap. I said to Garth somewhere afterwards, you're lucky it's not 162 laps because you would have come second. And he went, oh, is that right? And I went, dude, he was going to drive straight through you and win that thing. And I always felt he could have. So, um, you know, there's lots of amazing drives that he completed for us. You know, when you touched on at the Grand Prix, but the one that I remember, um, you know, I've fondly attached to the battle he was going through and all that stuff. But, but that run, that run with McConville was, uh, was amazing. His last thing was. I think there's some vision of him from an onboard that maybe your team loaded on YouTube. I think it's still there. At the last, I think it's five laps or something, he carves dudes up. He bombs them at the elbow. He, yeah. I, I would, he was just going bananas in that last run. That was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be to be out of the car, I guess, and watching on the TV live. And, and um, you know, it was a it was a very it was a very um, important moment for him and and for the team. And and um, you know, just a, a really you know for Jason, it was no mistakes. It was total commitment. And uh, you know, just the, the things I remember about him. What, what's his legacy moving forward? Obviously, it's 10 years this year. It's scary how fast that time has has gone. How would you like him to be remembered, not just by those who are in the industry, but then also for the people who may not know, may not have seen him race or may not have met him? As the years tick by, we're going to be more likely that we have more of those people who follow motorsport. What, what do you think his enduring legacy is and how do you think he's best remembered? Well, you know, the difficult part of that is he was cut short in his prime. You know, I felt that in a funny way, um, Jace getting sick helped complete him a little bit. You know, he saw things when he was ill that, that he probably didn't notice so easily when he was fit and well, the things that people take for granted, I guess. And, and it had helped to round him off a little bit and make him a little more complete. Um, what he was was... Uh, Lovely guy with a um, huge amount of speed in the car and uh, and a good sense of humour and and if you can just remember those things about him, because you're right, time marches on and people look at videos, but um, they're they're the three things I think that that you know resonate with me that I'll think about. You know, the funny thing is, uh, someone asked me about this the other day, and and. Um, when when someone passes, the how how they're honoured. I mean, it's very respectful, right? And and when we were looking at putting the the star on the car, um, I didn't want that to be something that we did afterwards. Soon as I I felt that you know he was, you know, if he got to the point where he wasn't going to recover, I remember telling him about it at one one stage and. And my reason for that was um, I just thought it would be nice that, I don't know, that that he knew 
uh, that he'll always, no matter what, be part of what we have here. And so um, my original thought was I wanted to put a shooting star and, and but it takes up, you know, it doesn't, when we did it, it's, I, I mean, it doesn't really take up too much space, but it didn't fit nicely in the spot that I wanted to put it, which was right on the driver's door. So you look at it every time you get in the car. And and so that's how we ended up with the, the one that we did. And so I said to him, you know, one day when, you know, when you're gone, just I will always, there will always be a star, your star on my cars. Mm. It's pretty cool that he knew that too. Yeah. It's, it honestly was a difficult thing to decide whether to tell him or not because, um, you know, you don't want to think about past. So, mm. so it was just, you know, one of those things, but I was glad I did because, um, you know, funnily enough, the past is always the legacy of, of the people that passed is what happens with the people that are still here. And so, you know, I feel better that he knows. So, mm. yeah, anyway, I have I have four, four photos in my office and um, there's there's two of me in the um, in the Crocodile Audi, you know, the R8, which I was lucky enough to get to drive before a lot of people in the world, like the race car, Lamar winning one. And the other photo I've got is Bridie winning our first round of the Touring Car Championship, which is a you know important moment for BJR. And the other one's JR. And, uh, you know, I, I think of him every day I walk into my office and, and the picture of him is the biggest one. He, he was so sick at uh, Hidden Valley when he drove our car up there. And... Um, in the end, um, Stokes, Kerry Stokes, organised for his jet to fly him back home to get the medical care and he was taking so much morphine and different drugs so he could just function, you know, and he jumped in that car. Holy shit, it was so fast. Bridie, the only people beating him that day in, in practice, you know, in the co-driver session, were the ones that um, were on soft tyres, which I think was maybe Craig Bed. And and the tire he did the time he did on the used hard tire was faster than Brighty went on the used hard tire all weekend. It was amazing. You know, it was just he was so sick, but yet still so fast. I can't help but think that had he been around, that he just missed that car of the future era, where things got a bit more even for a while, and you guys did a bit of winning with Brighty and Fabs and. I can't help but think that if he'd been around to have a run there, that he would have been lighting it up with a few of those guys and grabbing a few more wins because that's the bit that he's got one race win with Tasman in a reverse grid race. It belies his standing in the sport. He's in the Hall of Fame not because of what he did on the track. That's just a little part of it. It's how he fought and dealt with everything afterwards in the latter part of it all to, to me. But I can't help but think I'm not one to usually do the whole what would have happened, sliding doors, all that type of stuff too much, but with where your team was around 2013, with those cars for a year or two, you know, you, you did a fair bit of winning. He would have been right among that. Oh, 100%. He would have been, he could drive a loose car, so he would have been, he would have been fine. I mean, he was, he was important in helping Fabian get the drive here. You know, he and I were talking about it at the time and he felt like I should take a pun on Fabian. I told him that I, I thought he was the right one for us and he confirmed that as well. So, you know, when, when he was out of the car, he still had a lot of contact with him.
So that's Brad Jones, the uh, Mayor of Albury, the King of the Calder Park Thunderdome. I think he only will answer to those things anyway. So I didn't know that, that Jason knew about the star before the star thing happened, and that's 10 years of stars, and that star, as long as it's BJR... It's going to be there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is very, very cool and, and so nice of the of Brad and the Joneses to do that. Mm. It's a really nice touch in mm. memory of Jace. Yeah, it's it's small, but it's but, very, but very it powerful. But it stands out. It, yeah. Every time I, I've watched the V8s and, and see the Joneses' cars, always always notice the star. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, it's every model car company now that makes a BJR car. First that. part that you got to have when you do the, the BJR cars to make sure that you get them right. Um, the Hall of Fame is something really cool. Very cool. You, you came to the, the gala up in Sydney, Sydney. wasn't it? it was. What's that, about five years ago, four years ago now? Longer. Well, Six years ago? I think it was actually 2013. Mm, I haven't got the list in front of me of who was inducted right. in which year, but I'll believe you. I'm you tell the story. you don't know that. But, uh. no, I'm... I'm sure it was 2013 so was this do they tell you why you're coming for this or is this a surprise oh uh, yes I, I i knew about that right um but i don't believe many other people did um yeah that was that was a huge honor it was it was all still very raw and emotional hmm. even if i say even though a year's passed um it was i have to say one of the hardest things i've done standing up there and accepting that award and do the public speaking, which mm. I'm not a huge fan of, but um, it was, yeah, an absolute honour mm. to be recognised and have that. Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a huge thing in any line of industry or sport or work. A, a Hall of Fame's is a big deal. That's big ticket, big Absolutely. deal stuff. And it's not so much, you know, he didn't win the championship or a million races, yeah. but I think that's a great part of... It underlines that you don't have to do that to make such a big impact. That's right, and I think it shows the person that Jason was. Mm. He was recognised. And also that how he dealt with the diagnosis and, um, and going through what he went through really summed up, summed up the guy. Mm. You know, that's he, why he's in the Hall of Fame. That, that's his Hall that's of Fame it. efforts. Absolutely, and he still carried on the best he could and, and probably above and beyond... Never really questioned, well, never really, never did. Why me? Mm. Never, ever, ever said that. I always recall him saying, um, you know, Charlotte, over the years, how many children's hospitals have I got, you know, been into mm. to visit? These young kids have, have, got, have got no future. They're handed a, a life sentence at such a young age. Um, he goes, oh, in my eyes, I've done okay. You mm. know, I'm 35. At least, at least I've done so much. And, and those poor kids... Yeah. Never got a start. Yeah, that's so right. So his worry and concern was always for us, his parents, family, obviously the girls, mm. and and how we were going to be more than his own worries about him, yeah. him and, um, you know, mm. a terminal illness. Mm. But that was in him before he got sick. I remember him that's telling him. me um, in ra- racing era in the mid 2000s in supercarry stuff about um i think it was whether the big rollover had happened in queensland it was something that had gone wrong and it was a well why shouldn't it be me mm. instead of why not why me why me well why not me exactly. and we talked yeah. about that so it made no surprise to me 
when he got sick that that was the same. He didn't just flick the switch when he got sick to go, that's my way I'm going to deal with it. He was already wired like that. that. Way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Didn't, didn't play the victim card, just accepted it and uh, really, as he always did with most, most things, just thought I'm going to make the most of, of my time left mm. and um, do what I can to make memories with my children and, mm. and, and also a fair bit of fun and tick what's left on the list that I can get to. Because what you did, like you went to the states, you did. What what did you? Was it was it like a bucket list? Like oh, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to go here. Do you know, yeah, well, it was hard to do. Obviously, Jace would have had a bucket list. <laughs> long one. Long, long, long one. Yeah. But um, with his condition and uh, and the time, and also having two young kids, mm. it wasn't really an you option. You can't just to, click your fingers and go where you need want to go to. This, let's go there. Yeah. Um, and of course, with treatment, and that, that chews into a lot of the time. Mm. Um, but he did, you know. I, th- I think we talked about it before. Um, Father's Day um, at Eastern Creek, Sydney Motorsport Park, which I talked about with JB in the audio. He got to drive the Le Mans winning that's right Porsche, and they I mean, couldn't get him out of the bloody I mean, thing. <laughs> I'm surprised missing he didn't his flight home, <laughs> having so much fun. <laughs> I'm surprised. It wasn't the he first didn't... time he missed a flight. Though, no, no, no. <laughs> Nine millionth time, I would reckon. I'm surprised he didn't just drive that car out the gate and keep Should've going. Should have done what he did it. with the Mini. Just keep yeah. driving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. I mean, only worth probably $5 million, of, you know, at Museum Le Mans 1987 right. winning Rothman's Porsche. What are they going to do? Like, you know, slap you on the wrist and fine you? Huh? Whatever. Well, he he was going to be fine, wasn't he? Yeah. Probably me that was going to get in trouble. Yeah. After. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, actually, yeah, I didn't thought of that that way. Yeah, let's save you some bucks and not having to buy a uh, slightly damaged uh, Le Mans Porsche from bush bashing through Sydney Motorsport Park. But um, uh, there's uh, we we talk what's what's what was he late for? Because we always talk about him what, being late. He late. Was for? he late for everything? Was he late? Was he on time for the most important things in life? Did he miss? Kids being born, was he late for your wedding? Was he late to your first date? No. Oh, he, so he got there on time when it mattered? Yeah, I guess he did. Well, oh, that's right. He might not have been there when he was told to be there, but he, <laughs> he'd make it in time for... I used to tell him half an hour before I needed him yes. in PR land. And even yeah. then he was probably five minutes late. Well, we, so. we used to have all the, the clocks at home. Did you wind them all the other way? Yeah. But did he course, know? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just get, you just catch on that that's the case, so you just you just automatically yep. wind ten minutes the other way that's anyway. Right. <laughs> that's right. But let's be honest, he probably didn't even look at the clock anyway. Yeah, probably not. Jace's time. Not a clock watcher. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, had his own clock going. That's. that's uh, I remember that he went and had a go in a sprint car. Do you remember we went down Avalon one day in Do Geelong? You remember and that? I remember thinking, oh god, this is that's this right. is wild. He's going to want to. do I remember looking at you going, he's going to want to do this in summer. And that, that, was, that was fun, wasn't it? I think he had too much fun that day. Absolutely. That was I can't remember whose car he drove, but he had a ball. He did definitely. went for a drive down Avalon one day and he belted around and looked like a pro speedway driver, so he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. Um, because we haven't had we haven't been able to race in New Zealand and for the last couple of years, COVID, grr, but hopefully fingers crossed next year, Pookie's on the calendar again, so the trophy, the JR trophy can be yep awarded again do you think that it's compulsory for anyone who wins that trophy in the future to do the brighty and punch the lights out when they oh, win it yeah that was hilarious that was hilarious 
Well, you're presenting, you're except, presenting that uh, one, weren't yes, you? Yes, except that my kids were under those lights. Oh, yeah, so. that's not so good. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to, if they're going to win the yeah. trophy, they've got to come up with a special celebration. Right. Punching the lights out's been done, yep. so they need something new. To do something similar. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, how special is that trophy? I, that, there's a lot of trophies in the championship that are, you know, there's a Peter Brock trophy at Bathurst and there's, um, a Barry Sheen medal, and there's a bunch of other stuff that's named after important people. That's one of the most sought-after trophies in the game. You know, the championship trophy's great, the Brocky trophy's great, but that's become a, a trophy all of its own. And the blokes who've won it over the time hold it in great reverence. It's a cool, cool thing. It is a cool trophy. It is, and it's a cool thing, absolutely. Um, and I agree. I, th- I think particularly the drivers that are still in the championship that had a relationship with mm. with Jace, as in a racing relationship and, and, and a personal one, I absolutely understand why they'd want that trophy. Um, and, and that's why it made it so special when, when Brighty won. Especially Couldn't the, have scripted especially that better, could you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, and it's always good when another Kiwi gets it. So, you don't need more so. Kiwis winning <laughs> trophies, Charlotte. They've got enough. They've got but enough. I think Shane was the last one to... Yeah, so that's it. 20... So that was two, two. Yeah, and Scotty won it too as well. Yes, the, so did he win the last one? 19? Yes, so we... No, Shane won Shane the last one. Shane won, yeah, yeah. So Scotty was the year before. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. And, of course, we haven't had it in 20 or 21. Yeah, so yeah. 22, hopefully, we can all pack the cars up there and Fingers go crossed. over there. Fingers and, crossed. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's there. Yeah, that's cool. I, I love that. And I love the fact that we're... Ten years on, we're still talking about him. There's, I'm sure there's Ten plenty years. more stories that we haven't oh, so dug out or stories. that we don't know well, about. Uh, how many more have you got that I don't know about? Um, not for this time slot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, there's plenty, but we've got to save them up. You can't use them all in one hit. No, you know, no. you've got to, you've got to, um, you've got to just, you know, weave them out over time. Um, the girls, Sienna and Olivia, growing up heaps quick. Yep. Um, Old and fourteen now. Jeez. What, what what do they what do they want to be? What do they want to do? What's their what's their thing? I still think it's early days. I don't I don't hear. They don't you haven't been asked I for would. a go kart. No, no. Oh, that's good. Sienna was. Yeah, she had a little she, bit of a go a few years yeah, ago, didn't she? Yeah, and look, uh, she would absolutely be be keen if it was all there and. But factory drive, you factory, know. That's right. <laughs> um, but it, but even living uh, actually last time we were in New Zealand, which is obviously prior to COVID. Um, Livy was Sienna went out in the go karts. Um, Livy has never shown much interest, but that was the first time she was like, "Hang on a minute, I'm a bit older. It's not all about Sienna. I'm ready to have a go too." So, yeah, bit of fun. Oh, give them a tennis racket or a golf club or something. Just make big prize money. Just, just not motor racing. Yeah, no, no, no. That's. I think I'm safe there. Uh, okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. And you, you you're still really connected to a lot of the people from the supercar scene and people who've worked in teams from over the yeah. years. You've got a little group of friends who you... Yep, you know, a, so you're very, very much still part of the supercars and Aussie motors or Australasian motorsport family, yep, which is awesome. absolutely. You know, those a lot of the friends we've met over the years through through the racing are, are friends for life. Mm. And like you said, that's, that's what the community's like, isn't mm. it? Yeah, totally. Within the sport. So I feel very blessed. All in. Yeah. It's all in, isn't it? Um, what's his, what's his legacy? What's the? I mean, we've got the trophy. There's the star on the the, the JR cars. There's you know there's there's a book. There's there's all sorts of stuff around that we can you know we see his old cars up at the Bathurst Museum and stuff like that. 
they're all the tangible things we can see, but what's what's the legacy, do you reckon, that it's hard to answer because I've been trying to figure out a, it, an answer to, to this too. It's hard to pinpoint that. You know, with Jace, he was, he was always the glasses half full kind of guy mm. um, and make the most out of every opportunity. And he was just, he was a very kind, kind man as well. Um, so I, I, I see so much of him in, in both Livy and Sienna in, in, in different ways. Who's late to everything? <laughs> Mum, me. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Rubbed off on me, I think. Um, no, both girls are pretty good at, at the time. Oh, that's right. That's, that's good. That hasn't moment. been passed on. That's, that's right. Probably because they're reliant on me at the moment. Oh, so. yeah. Um, where were we? Sorry, I've got legacy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Legacy. Uh, how do we define it? It's it's a big ticket question. There's a lot of elements that go into it. But as you were saying, so, it's probably authentic. Is probably the word that springs to mind that wraps a lot of that up. Just yeah, just very down to earth, very very lovable. There's, there's there's so many things I'd I'd struggle to put it in mm. into one sentence even. So probably need a big long list to be able to. Jot it all down, but it's absolutely yeah, He's yeah. A bit emotional now. Sorry, <laughs> that's all right. That's what we do on this podcast. We uh, we keep it real. We keep it authentic. So, um, a big thank you too to Dave and to JB and to Brad for taking a bit of time in the last little while to to have a bit of a chat and tell a few stories. Um, ten, I can't believe it's been ten years, but I love that you've come in to see us and to sit down with us and and tell some stories. Um, I'm 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 happy too that I saved him from getting arrested that night as well. I'm, I'm sorry it took me uh, about 15 well, years to tell you that story. No, and I'm sure there's more to this story. You're pressing me already, aren't you, for more I'm, here? I'm very concerned. No, no, there's there's nothing more to tell. There's nothing more to tell here. It's uh, it's uh, I'm running this podcast. You just you, you, I'm the minute just, we hit the record button. Oh, I've got to tell you the full versions of everything. Version, okay, absolutely. Right. I'll, I'll do that for you. I'll do that for you. Shout! Thank you so much for coming by and thank sharing you for some memories. Me. We really appreciate it, and to all of our listeners who um, – I know when we told everyone we were going to do this one, we've had a lot of really positive feedback, and I'm sure there will be plenty of Christmas listening for fans um, of Supercars and JR who will enjoy this for uh, the whole Christmas New Year break. So thanks for popping by. Don't be a stranger. You, you, you're a local. Come back and see us some stage soon. Thank you soon. so much for having me. Oh, pleasure. It's been great to have you. Thanks so great much. great to chat. Thank you. A massive, massive thank you to Charlotte, to Dave, to JB and BJ. Thank you one and all for your stories and your time. We really do appreciate it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, remembering Jason Richards. It's 10 years since we lost him. I'm sure we'll be talking about him for many, many more years to come. That's been our latest edition of the V8s with podcast, powered by Repco. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll chat to you next week. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number 2, and oil, and find out.